Well, good afternoon. God is amazing, isn't he? And uh, I don't know about you, I'm just so excited I can hardly stand myself, really. The prospect of what is contained in the heart of God, not for, not for us, but including us, but for a city, for a land, a nation, defies description. Let's just pray, can we? Father, we want to say thank you. And uh, we welcome your word and your presence. And Lord, we say that we trust you. And uh, Father, we are committed to being those who who speak, who pray, who praise, who yodel. Lord, that we can uh, connect with the resonance of this city. Father, to dislodge all those powers and principalities that thought that they had taken up residence. But we give notice and we declare not so. And Father, we speak to the resonance in this city, in the hearts and lives of people and communities who are crying out for you. And Lord, I just thank you. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And Lord, this morning, I want to thank you for the spirit nature of every child of God in this room. I want to thank you, Lord, that your words, they are spirit and they are life. Father, I pray that our spirit man this morning will be nourished by the word that comes and that you'll, you'll feed us, Lord, at a deep level with your truth. Lord Jesus, you are the truth. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, um, today is the second in our uh, series on money. And Moke's, Moke, I'll start again. Mark spoke. Moke, actually, I quite like that. There was, yeah. Moke sparked, yes. Mark spoke last week. Uh, and I was very, I was very impressed, I have to say, yes. with the very, very practical and thoughtful teaching that he brought on the subject. And I've, I've already listened again on the, uh, the web, and if you've not done so, I'd recommend that you do that. Um, he also handed out a pamphlet which is designed to help us understand some of the Bible principles as for why, what, and when we give. Uh, And on the the final page, he noted this, and this I'm quoting from that little pamphlet. Giving includes tithes, offerings, and special offerings, but it's not just limited to finance. It's peace, it's joy, it's lifestyle. And then he wrote this, it's getting in line with your destiny. A slightly odd thing you might think in relation to talking about finance and giving Um, But what I want to do today is to show how far generosity and destiny are actually tied together. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to meditate on realms. And my my goal is that we actually grasp something more of that destiny that God has called us to. And how generosity is a practical and a natural outflow of that destiny. Um, 
Uh, it's no coincidence that we're bringing a heap offering today, but that's not the purpose in my preaching. Um, and uh, I just want to say that as I've been preparing this week, something much deeper than that has been landing with me, and that's something what I want to share today. Um, Sarah, could you put up the first of those references for me? <clears throat> Make it a bit bigger. Great. Okay, I'll read it for you and then you can see it. It comes from Psalm 115 and it's verse 16. And it's this, The the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. I'm not going to speak about that, although I could do this morning. Um, all I want to do is just for us to have in mind the nature of our assignment. God has given us the earth. Come on. I just want to say two things before we go into the, uh, the psalm that I want to look at. Um, and it's this. God's nature is love. Everything that he does emanates from his love. And man, that's to say mankind, is both the object and the instrument of God's love. And through him, through man, God is extending his love to the whole of creation. So, the kingdom, the rule of God, is the vehicle for the expression of God's love. So whenever we talk about kingdom, we're talking about the outworking, the productive impact of the love of God. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing is this, that God has given the earth to man as a steward. Not as a servant, but as a son. And our companionship, our intimacy with God is what enables us to extend God's rule of love. It's called the kingdom. So see the connection that our intimacy with God, our companionship with him, so allows us to understand and interpret the nature of God that that is what we bring when we extend his kingdom. Okay, now let's look at um, Psalm 112. And I'm using the NIV for this purpose. And we've got the, um, oh, I've got the bits on the wall already. Great. Um, can you all see that? Is it clear enough? Very good. Um, what I shall do, actually, I shall just read it through for you, first of all, the whole psalm. And then what I want to do is just sort of take it verse by verse. So Psalm 112, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright 
for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. God, sorry, good, will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked man will see and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. It's great, isn't it? Isn't it great just to listen, just to hear scripture? Uh, I found this out the other day. This is what's called an acrostic poem. Those of you who don't know what that is, it means that the first letter of each line follows the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. There you go. Good. And it, it was plainly meant to aid memory. In other words, the scripture was given to inwardly digest. And I just want, as a side note, just to say, to memorize scripture, to have it in, the, in our hearts as well as in our head actually is one of those things that God can use by his spirit to bring alive to us and nourish us and cause us to flourish. So, praise the Lord. This is the starting point. God is higher than any other. He is exalted. He is exalted in the praise of our lives. And I just want to say, Lord, take your rightful place in our lives. Now, because he has become our father, and and significantly, the Lord's Prayer introduces us to this primary relationship to God. Because he has become our father, we, like Adam, are qualified to rule. It's because God has become our source once more. Our flow of life, our dependency is in him alone. It's he who provides and protects. It's because he is our father. And that is really important for us whenever we think about finance, whenever we think about generosity, whenever we think about the expression of our life. I lack nothing because God is my father. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. And here we see how this psalm, it works on so many different levels. It was written of Jesus, and I'm quoting here Isaiah 11, verse 2. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He is the man. And at the same time, we know that God has ordained a corporate man of whom Jesus is the head. We're talking about the church, the body of Christ. 
So God is now representing himself in the earth through a people made in his image and likeness, positioned again to rule the earth under God and extending his love to all creation. This is the man. And it's also true for us individually and as households. Do we want to know the blessing of God in our lives? Yeah? Well, here is the secret. Every believer who fears the Lord, that is, who puts God's interests above all else, who lives God's way, God says, that man or woman is blessed. Not difficult, is it? His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. His children, you and me, will be mighty in the land. Now we know again from scripture that children are an inheritance and uh, I always appreciate this about God. He always abides by his own principles. He is the father of families. He works through family. He even says of Jesus that he gives the Lord Jesus an inheritance in the form of offspring. And we, ourselves, we even have a share in that offspring. Um, If you want a reference for that, I'm not going to read it now, but Isaiah 53, verse 10. And our share in it, Ephesians 1, verse 18. But this scripture from Isaiah 8, verse 18 says, and you can imagine Jesus saying this, Here am I and the children the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord Almighty. I I love that. Jesus saying we. He and we together. We are signs and symbols in the land. God is saying, I will bless this world through a generation of people, my offspring, who I have purposed to bless. This speaks to me of legacy. We, in our generation, plan and provide for the good and the success of the next. And I'm looking across here. We act like God who creates conditions and provides wisdom for our children to flourish. Their generation, the generation of the upright, will be blessed. But can you see how God is saying, look, I'm giving you, us, a responsibility for this next generation to act for them like God does in creating those conditions in which they can flourish. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. And God has a house. It's no longer a temple made with human hands, but a household. Wealth and riches, material and spiritual, are in the house. I love being in the house, don't you? They are ours. The riches of God are ours. Not to keep to ourselves... This is not a bless me thing, but to share on behalf of the world. 
I'm reminded of the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. He was in the house and everything in it was his. You remember the story? You remember how his, his brother, who took his inheritance and went away and just blew it all and when he comes back, his father welcomes him. And later on, at the end of that story, you, you cut this picture of this older brother and he's, he's eaten up with resentment and bitterness because of the way his father treats his younger brother. But his father says to him, but son, all this time, You've been in my house. Everything in my house is yours. He, his problem was this. He had the mindset of a servant. He says to his father, I've been slaving for you all these years. He had the mindset of a servant. I just want to throw this out. Are any of us living in the house but only as servants and not as sons? Are any of us living only as servants and not as sons? Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. So it was for Jesus, going into the darkness, but overcoming by the power of an irrepressible life. Let's be clear. The darkness is all around and it's intensifying as the works of man, independent of God, reach their full-blown state. I mean, we just have to look around, don't we? But God, this is the great news, God has caused us to inhabit the light because we are children of light. It's why we can be motivated by grace and compassion rather than fear. I want none of us to be intimidated by what is out there. Ian has already mentioned intimacy is the antidote for our intimidation. So the darkness out there might be intensifying, but the light is increasing until it gets like the noonday. That's what the scripture says. Now this is a good check. Ask what's driving our reactions to things. You know when we're going about our ordinary life, if the instinct is fear, it did not originate in your spirit man. Fear did not come from God. So we can choose to inhabit the realm of light. Now I'm going to read the next few verses as one passage, verses 5 to 9. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. Uh, I love this picture. 
At one level, it speaks again of the Lord Jesus, the the archetype of a new generation. But I want to apply it to us. And I want to see how the psalmist mixes up all these kingdom colors. Generosity is mixed with justice and then with righteousness and then steadfastness and then trust. You can almost sense his enthusiasm as he he works them on his palate. It was something of a revelation to me when I understood that generosity was not an option in Scripture. Generosity in Hebrew culture is actually an obligation. It's a social responsibility. Generosity is part of justice. Justice is about right social relationships. So in God's mind, generosity and justice are all part of the same thing. So you see what I mean about, imagine the artist mixing these colours, selecting one from here and one from here and mixing them on his palette until through it comes this vibrant colour. Kate and I just last week, we went to an exhibition um, of artworks and it was by the, uh, the famous Yorkshire artist, David Hockney. Anybody heard of David Hockney? Yeah, yeah. Um, He lives out near Bridlington. I didn't know that, but apparently he does. And one of the striking things about the way that he's painted the East Yorkshire landscape is his use of colour. What was so appealing was the way that he's observed the same woodland or copse or natural scene. But... He's brought out the the vibrancy and the depth of colour in different seasons, different times of day, in different conditions of light. And it just speaks so much of this natural world full of the colours that God has created and which he as an artist has, by power of observation, has managed to draw out. Now, our, our world has been discolored and it's been muted its tones have been suppressed by the selfishness of man doesn't the world need these holy colors generosity justice righteousness steadfastness trust putting back in all their variety and expressions Don't you just love the idea that goodness is haunting the generous man? Beginning of verse 5 there. It's following him around. It's stalking him just to do him good. I get this impression that generosity and just dealings just attract goodness. Isn't that a lovely thought? That this kind of lifestyle actually draws in goodness. We were having this conversation yesterday that where we go, we bring an atmosphere with us, don't we? By living that kind of life, 
and attracting goodness, whether you realize it or not, goodness walks into the room with you. That's going to affect people. It's, it's a virtuous cycle. God is at home around such people. Verse 6, they can't be shaken. According to Hebrews, the things that can be shaken are created things. That's uh, chapter 12 and verse 27 of Hebrews. This tells me that the generous man is rooted in the eternal, that is, in God himself. That's why his memory is enduring. And to have an eternal perspective radically alters what we place value on and the way that we see things. Are we a people of an eternal perspective? Verse 7 and 8. This person lives free from fear of people, circumstances, the future. He has learned by growing up in the father's house that he does not fend for himself. That his life is more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Now that's not a message you'd get by walking out there, is it? But that is exactly what Jesus said. The pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. It's great, isn't it? Instead, he says, our part is to pursue the interests of the kingdom. So my father is taking care of me and my needs. He says... And all that will work for you if you will take care of my interests. Simple. Verse 9, how do we do that? Well, here's a starting point. Let's scatter our gifts to the poor. Knowing that the way is not only enduring righteousness, but honor as well. Um, Let me just give you a small example. I'm just sharing this with you for your encouragement. I also believe that it's one of the reasons why, um, reflecting back on our uh, grid reference there, um, I believe that there are conditions which are emerging in this city which are ripening this city for the revival that God wants to bring. I do believe that. When I heard that, I was... Encouraged, but I wasn't surprised. Okay. Um, On Friday, uh, a number of people from the church around the city met together. And I deliberately say the church around the city. Um, There were Anglicans, Pentecostals, Methodists, URC, and others And we met to talk about setting up a food bank. And the idea is to provide food for families and individuals who are unable to provide for their own immediate need. We agreed that this is going to be coordinated across the churches, that not one group 
will own this, so nobody can say we did that. And volunteers will be welcome regardless of their tradition. And I'm thinking, God, hey, isn't this good? But this is the point, that there are people of goodwill whose desire is for the kingdom, who have a heart to cooperate in the interests of the king to do the world good. And it's there in front of my eyes, and I'm thinking, God, praise God. And already, resources of people, finance, and property are flowing into the project. Uh, You know, I, I tell you, I am just thrilled by what I see God doing. That's just an example, and it's only just beginning. But let me tell you this, and I'm declaring this now, that the church's generosity will increasingly be spoken of in this nation and applauded. We are challenging the hateful work of the enemy on the ground of love and mercy and compassion. The church, the house of God, the corporate man, is taking its place again as the true agent of the kingdom, bringing good news to the poor, release to the captive, setting at liberty those who are oppressed. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Let me finish on this one, verse 10. Can we get that up, Sarah? Sarah? Verse 10, is it there? Thank you. The wicked man will see and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. Hallelujah. The serpent, the one who sought to derail the plan of God in the garden, by blaspheming God, and diverting man up a dead end will see that God is will see what God is doing in the earth today and he will be vexed he will be very vexed he will witness a restored family living as true sons extending the rule of God on every side Overcoming the darkness, and he will gnash his teeth and waste away. His longings will come to nothing. Amen. Let it be, Lord Jesus. Amen. Um, Oh gosh, it's 20 to 1. Crying out loud. Um, I can only blame the Holy Spirit for um, <laughs> us finishing at this time. We, we've just got time for a couple more things. One is we want to bring a heap offering, as we announced this morning. Um, Mark, have you got the, the wherewithal for organizing that? Fantastic. Um, I want us to... Look here at another generation. And um, as we 
what we're going to do, we're going to bring our offering. Um, I think we're a bit short on tithes and offering envelopes, actually, this morning. We do it all at the same time. Um, I'm just aware that there are going to be some who will have contributions they want to put in this morning that they want to denote um, for gift aid purposes. And if we've not got a record of it, we can't claim it. Um, So if in putting in your offering, if you could simply on a scrap of paper, now I'm going to trust your honesty in this, um, write on a scrap of paper the, what you've brought in today. Oh, you've got a few there, Pete. Okay, good. Um, yeah, can we just dish those around? So if you've got, um, if you've got a cash, use one of these. A check, it's obvious who's given it, so that's okay. Um, what we're going to do here, we've got this, uh, We've got this banner with the king's crown on it. And at each corner, we've got one of these young people, one of these delightful young people, part of this blessed generation. I want us to come and I want us just to bring our offering this morning. And as we do, I want us to do it out of a sense, Lord, here we are expressing your generous justice. We want to be scattering our gifts. And as we do, I want us to lift up this promise before God that the generation of the upright will be blessed. And that goes not just for us, but it's our children and our children's children. And this generation that's standing behind me here and those who are part of it, I'm looking at Joel, that the blessing which is going to come upon them will be so outrageously, extravagantly excessive that this nation, this nation will be blessed out of its boots by the generation that's to come. Are you with me in that? I can't wait. I tell you, I just... I'm just praying I live long enough to see it. I really do. Father, we want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your incredible generosity to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for schooling us as children, as sons of God in the ways of God. And Lord, we delight this morning to bring an offering to you, to bring our tithe to you, as sons of the house. And we say, Lord, take this offering, administer it, Lord, through us, and God, we pray through it a blessing on this generation and the generation to come that this city and this nation will be blessed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great. So when you're ready... Uh, Form an orderly queue if you're English. If not, just make a rabble. Um, And uh, let's bring our offering to the Lord.